now that I know that you've gotten potty out of the way, we can go ahead and start the show. Mm. That would have been a great cold open if I hadn't been in the middle of a drink. The Third Degree Nerd Podcast. Third Degree. The Third Degree Nerd Podcast. Third Degree. The Third Degree Nerd Podcast. Third Degree. The Third Degree Nerd Podcast. Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Don't forget, I know I'm just reinforcing what you already know, to shop at Soccer90.com for all your FC Dallas, national team, and international club gear. And because you are a kissable, squeezable third degree listener, you get 25% off your order when you use the code third degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode of Third Degree the Podcast. I think it's episode number 119 now. This will come as a surprise to nobody, but we are down a man today. Deep in depression, probably have fallen off the wagon, and hiding somewhere in a closet in his apartment is Dan Crook in the fallout from England's loss in the European Championship Final on of course, PKs. So everybody send your love and thoughts and well wishes to Dan or just send him a funny tweet making fun of England losing again on PKs, whichever you f- makes you feel better. In the meantime, it's just me and your hero and my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder of thirddegree.net, the amazing Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hi, Peter. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be kissing any of our listeners, despite your claim that they're kissable. You should, because they're paying, some of them pay you money. And if they want to kiss, mm. you should be willing to whore yourself out like that, Buzz. <laughs> yeah. No, my wife doesn't like that so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just a saying, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Buzz, we are in a down week for Football Club Dallas because the uh, st- uh, Gold Cup has kicked off and uh, we're watching all of that glorious soccer excitement. And we're waiting for Dallas to uh, get back to playing. And their next game is on the 17th against Portland out in Oregon. Uh, So we'll get to your training visit today and stuff here in a little bit. But I I think if I'm just going by smart broadcasting slash podcasting 101, I need to go with the headline stuff. And I think the biggest news since the last time we talked was the somewhat surprising news, although you've been prepping us for this for a while, that Thomas Roberts has left the country and has gone out on loan. Loan, not sale. So what's the story behind Thomas Roberts leaving the country? Yeah, he's going to a club in uh, Austria. I'm not even going to try and pronounce it because I'm oh, sure. I was, I, was gonna, yeah. I was wondering if you were going to give it a shot. Austria Kliegenspiel. I, I have no idea how you pronounce the name of that Kliegenspiel. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but this has been uh, in the cards for... Uh, as the, they mentioned on their their website that he had a trial in January, like after the Bayern thing, when uh, Edwin and Cervania went to the other club in Austria, Thomas went to this club uh, and he was there a couple of days and then got hurt. And they were even like within a day or two, they were so excited and they were basically all over him at that point. Um, and then he had to come back to the United States and rehab. And, and, and the, through that process, Lucci talked him into waiting basically until this window, which is fine. They were in the second division at that point, and now they've been promoted up. And of course they're pulling the trigger on the loan deal. Now there is not a buy clause in the loan. It's just a straight loan, but 
my sources say that Thomas is 100% for sale. Like if they want him, they can have him for whatever price it is that FC Dallas deems that he's at. It's clear, I think, from anyone that watches this team for more than five minutes that Thomas was not in the plans with Lucci. He wasn't getting game action. So um, he certainly is available. And this club has shown of late that they are absolutely a selling club and will sell anybody, even if it hurts the team, basically. So... (laughs) Okay. Um, That's the news for Thomas. All right. So let me pose this question to you because in the last podcast, um, we all took a gauge on where we thought the Lucci hot seat setting was from a range of one to 10. And you and Dan said five. I said, I think it's super hot at nine. I don't know who's right or wrong, but I do wonder when it comes to roster construction and the sale of players or the inbound, the buying of players, if we think that there is a better than 50, 50% chance that Lucci is not going to be the coach next season, do you think there's hesitation to sell or move on to anybody knowing that there's a good chance that there may be somebody else running this team next time or this this time next year so i think there's some hot seat on zanata as well but Hmm. lucci does not have uh veto power you know if he lucci had veto power tiago santos would not have been sold you know, they're, they're not making sell or buy decisions based on what Lucci wants. Clearly. No, I, no, I understand. Yeah. If, they, if there's somebody in the club that thinks there is something to Thomas's game and they're enjoying the fact that he's out on loan and getting minutes, is there, would there and maybe in theory be any hesitation to sell him to Austria because maybe the hmm. next guy thinks he's a starter for them here in Dallas next season? Well, that's fair. I mean, maybe that's why there's not a uh, buy in the loan. Maybe that's why... Yeah. You know, they want to reserve the rights if he crushes it over there and all of a sudden Byron's sniffing around or something. I mean, and I don't know for sure that Byron's involved in this deal, but the timing of well, of all three of those guys that went to Austria right from the Byron camp and all that stuff and the fact that that uh, Byron, is, they sent Booth with Saria the first time, you know, there's definitely some backdoor, you know, hey, you guys should really take a look at this kid kind of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if he crushes it, don't be surprised if at the end of the loan, all of a sudden here comes Byron again. Remember, they tried to take Thomas on loan last year and FC Dallas turned him down. So they like the kid. And there are certainly people inside the organization that think very highly of the kid. So if the coach changes, maybe it's a case of they then they want to keep him. So, you know, I don't know. I don't think Thomas is burned enough in terms of FC Dallas. I think this is about... You know, his interest in this is to get playing time into play, not necessarily like that he hates FC Dallas or something. I don't think that's the case, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, he's going to have jersey number three. I mean, that's not an attacking number, but at least it's a, it's a one through 11 squad number. That's a <laughs> valued number. So that's cool that they gave him that number. We also learned that uh, before the, the club, the club being FC Dallas, could even announce it. Um, he had already traveled all the way to Austria and suited up for the team and played in a preseason scrimmage. Um, and scored in 22 seconds in his debut (laughs) as a sub onto the field. Now, uh, that obviously creates a lot of questions like, well, wait a second. If he's kicking ass 22 seconds in over there, why isn't he even getting minutes over here? And before I'm going to let you answer that question, we should caveat that with, I think if I'm reading the team, they were were essentially playing like a local pub team or something. Uh, so it wasn't like uh, they were, you know, doing early Champions League round games or anything like yeah. that. 
Well, whoever they were playing, it said they finished sixth in something. I don't, and I, you know, the translation got a little, I thought it meant sixth in the, in the Austrian Bundesliga, but maybe it didn't. And Thomas's club was on the road at that team. Ah, And it was the second half. He came in at halftime. Thomas did. So that was 20 seconds into after halftime. And obviously they just caught the team napping or whatever. But the article said he, if I, if I Google translated it correctly, it said he was impressive. So uh, there's a coach's they posted an article on their site with quotes from both Thomas and from their coach and their coach was very complimentary and very excited about they're very excited about Thomas. I mean, listen, I, I don't think that the Austrian Bundesliga is as good as MLS. That's my opinion. I think it's better than USL one, certainly. So this is going to be a good opportunity for Thomas where he'll be able to play. And I think he'll be able to shine. Uh, and hopefully good things are going to come for the kids. So okay, but what was what was his shortcoming with Lucci that could not even get him substitute minutes or even regular bench appearances in 2021? That's the piece of this that I'm confused by. Yeah, I honestly don't know. Um, you know, there's a perception that Thomas is not a good defender because he's an attacking sort of playmaking type player. But he's worked really hard to be a real legit two-way player, and he will chase down and he will track and he will defend uh, and I think he does a pretty good job of stealing balls off like Paxton does. So I'm not really sure. Uh, the one negative I would have on Thomas right now is that he will switch off occasionally. Like you don't get 90 minutes of focus. You get 85 minutes of focus. Like there's occasional switch off and a moment of discouragement, you know. And sometimes when he's trying these really creative things, if they don't come off, then it does set up the team the other way. So like, if you want somebody that plays super conservative and isn't going to, you know, risk anything, well, he's not your guy. He's going to risk stuff. So sometimes, so maybe that's it. Cause they're trying to use him as an eight cause they don't really have a 10. He's not really a wing. That's part of it too. It's like, what do we do with them? The position they're kind of using them. Dallas has like 10 people that play that spot. So, you know, it's just a case. I think of him not being Lucy's guy as opposed to Paxton and Jesus who are, you know, I don't I don't know that Lucci coached Thomas very much in the academy because Lucci switched from the 17s to the 19s, I think, right as Thomason was, go, was going through there. And so they flip flopped. I don't think he had him very much. So uh, I don't know. I think it's just a question of not. I mean, it's just not his guy. You know? Yeah. Okay, well, um, I, that's all a great mystery, and we wish uh, Thomas the best. And so I, uh, you know, and, and hopefully it goes well, and maybe, you know, they've thought, well, maybe we do need him back here. Uh, now, the other thing that's kind of gone off the, the radar a little bit is what is the situation with Tanner Tessman's deal? I, I think we're all under the impression that he's essentially gone. He traveled to Italy, and he'll be suiting up in the Serie A. We just haven't heard any announcement. Yeah, no, he's gone for sure. He's over there already. Um, by the time this podcast goes live, he will, his transfer will have been announced by FC Dallas. Ah. So I know today that it's coming tomorrow morning, aka Thursday morning. So I'm not going to post this pod until it happens because I've now said that it's going to happen. <laughs> I'll have that out if it doesn't happen, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's the team's announcing it tomorrow morning. So, um, you know, it's done and dusted. He's gone. That is a transfer based on all the reports. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. Now, um, Tanner is a very level-headed, very business-like kid in a lot of ways. You know, he came here to the Dallas at 14 by himself, lived with a family, of course, but another player. But, um, you know, he, he's going to be fine over there. That, that club's making some other moves, so it doesn't look like they're thinking Tanner's like the answer. So that'll be that'll be good. 
Yeah, isn't that where uh, Buzio is also rumored to be going? Yes, too? yeah, it is, and and they've got, I'm sure they've got some other pieces too. You know, the fact that they're interested in Buzio and and um, uh, Tanner is indicative that they're trying to build not just short term but long term too. That they're interested in young talent as well as guys mm-hmm. that'll help them stay up. Um, then there's also been some uh, moves of former Dallas players. We uh, we we found out that uh, Jonathan Gomez is going to Spain after letting... I, there's some weird story behind his contract with uh, Louisville City. I don't know the details of it, but it appears that the fan base isn't real happy with, with the ownership of how this happened. But I was always under the impression that he was always going to Europe as soon as he turned 18 anyway, no matter who he, who he was playing yeah. for. Yeah, what I knew about his discussions with Dallas, the main sticking point was how long that Dallas wanted him to sign. You know, Dallas likes... You know, the, on homegrown deals, they generally like three years plus two years of options, which mm-hmm. at the time would have been not till t- Gomez was 19, then two options on top of that. Well, that was the sticking point. They didn't want that. They wanted to be free at 18. Now, maybe there's some money in there, too. I don't know all the I'm privy to the details. I just know that that was a the big sticking point and that the reason he went to Lou City, I had been told, was that basically he was just going to be free when he was 18. Well, Louisville City is saying, or other people are saying, that there was a clause that Hackworth was, if Hackworth left, his then coach. his, yeah, his coach Hackworth left, then he would be free. Well, he must have known something, then, because the whole point was for him to be free this summer, mm-hmm. uh, or or this November when his contract will actually run out. I think they're going to end up selling him now because they can get a hundred k for him or something, rather than letting him walk for nothing. Um, so he's going to be gone. I mean, he just turned eighteen like a month or two ago, so. This has been on the cards all along. I don't know why anyone would have thought that kid was going to be here past 18, regardless of what kind of contract he had. Yeah. And and do you have a sense that that's a player that Dallas will ultimately regret not signing to a bigger oh, deal? Yeah, 100%. But listen, it's not, they were offering him homegrown. It's not like they were offering him nothing. So it, right. it, listen, it was about the time. His older brother had already gone to Europe. All, you know, that all his eyes were on the Europe. That was what he wanted. So I, it wasn't because of money that they lost this kid. But yes, absolutely, 100%. This is going to be a big miss kid. It's not going to be Weston McKinney big, but it's definitely going to be you know a, a full, long career in Europe. Man, how do we miss that guy big? You know, you, you'll be hearing about him for the next you know 12 to 15 years. And then and, just kind of uh, the crumbs in there, there was a, a sol- local solar kid that signed with a European club this week, and then a former Dallas goalkeeper, Seth Wilson also has signed with a European club. Uh, yeah, Seth Wilson signed with somebody in Portugal. That poor kid, he you know he came out of the academy right in the middle of the pandemic, and he had some things lined up in Europe, and they all got derailed. As some other kids uh, that happened to uh, Roman Torres too, got some stuff derailed because of the COVID and all that stuff. So Wilson did some things. He trained with Solar. He trained with Oklahoma City. He kept himself busy. Uh, you notice he didn't train with FC Dallas. So he's now going over there. So one of the things that I find interesting about all this news uh, is uh, at some point you got a tweet from the great Charlie, one of the longest running fans of this team. Um, and she's been a fan since literally day one. And she asked a question, which was, because you had also tweeted out that I think a, a, a kid not in the academy or maybe in the academy uh, signed an agent. 
And this is the second or third very young player that we've read has has been, you know, signing up with agents despite the fact that they can't really sign deals. You know, their ability to sign contracts and stuff is pretty limited based on their age. And and the question being, why are kids doing this now? Um, and, you know, I think. I think the obvious thing is it goes back to like the Jonathan Gomez situation, which is, you know, these are business situations and these kids have parents that probably don't know much about this stuff and they need agents to help them navigate these waters to figure out which is the best path for their professional career, right? Well, a lot of people probably don't know that uh, agents get involved with kids way earlier than when they can sign professional. And what, what they do is they just offer advice uh, for basically for free. And multiple the best kids will have multiple agents making this offer. Uh, and their, their hope is obviously that if I give good advice to the kid, that when it's time for him to sign, he'll sign with me. Mm-hmm. Now, for a kid to actually sign with an agent before he's 18, well, he's just given up all college. Like college is out the window for this kid. So the kids that you see do this, are the ones that are 100% convinced they're going to be a professional or they're a kid who thinks for whatever reason that college is not in the cards for them and they need some help to find some kind of professional opportunity, even if it's not going to be major league soccer. They need a job or they need to make some money or they can't get into college or whatever it is. Everyone's background is different and they all have different circumstances. So this kid in particular that first to answer your question that Chaz asked, which is why is this happening? I think it's just because more, there are more and more professional teams here in the United States. We now have three divisions of professional soccer and we're about to have another one at this in the division three, the MLS version. So there's more and more opportunity and kids are seeing that. Yeah. And I think they're choosing to roll the dice rather than go to college or a kid that can't go to college. So that's the main reason why I think it's happening now. I don't know if that's for sure. Cause I think it's just sort of, I don't think these guys are like getting together or anything. I think it's just happening. And this kid in particular last year, he played up with the 19s cause the 19s were a little thin. So he was a 2004 playing with the 2003s and 2002s. He will again be a U19 and there's going to be a, a fair number of 2005s are going to come up because the O4s are really thin also. So uh, he's probably one of the best one or two players that are going to be actual U19s left. I maybe would put him in that. I might throw him a North Texas contract and see how it goes. I know he has trained with North Texas when he was still in the U17 age group. So he's just now going to be 17, 18. So he's that second, third tier kind of prospect that we talk about. Um, it's interesting to see it happening more and more. You're definitely right that it's 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 an upward trend. And then the other weird rumor that popped up out of the blue was that uh, Javier Pastore, the uh, Argentinian midfielder who is currently under contract with Roma, is being sniffed about by MLS clubs, one of which being our very own Dallas. And I... I was mystified by this. There's no, there's no, you don't know anything uh, behind if this is actually a real thing. Is it buzz? I, I, I don't think so. I think this is one of those deals where whoever's repping him, that's leaking this. I think that they're leaking it 
with the idea that the Hunts know the Roma owner. He's the guy that owns Toyota, that is the Toyota of Toyota Stadium. He's the guy that was involved in the Reynolds move the other way. Yeah, let me clarify. He doesn't own Toyota. He owns Gulf States, which right. is the, 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 the regional yeah. organization that owns dealerships for right. Toyota. He, okay. he's, the, he's the Toyota that is the Toyota Stadium that right. sponsors FC Dallas. So there's the, the, the Hunt connection is there. So it, it's an easy thing to suggest that he's offering this player to the Hunts. He very well may have offered this player to the Hunts. I, I don't think it makes any sense. I mean, I, for one thing, when was the last time you saw Dallas play with a formation that used like an attacking mid? Now, I'm sure he could fall swing or whatever, but are you going to take that time away from Paxton or Pepe or Jesus or whatever? I know the wings have been bad, but I don't know that a 31 year old DP wing is the answer. It's It'd be one thing really if he were wing. I mean, I, I know, but for the, where's he going to play for Dallas? Is he going to play eight for Dallas or is he going to uh, play false wing? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're not taking Jesus out of the game, right? Are they to play I, this kid? I, I, yeah. I'm lost. I yeah, mean, I mean, look, <laughs> I don't think there's anything to it, to it either. And I yeah. do think that probably if there is any connection, it's simply because of the relationship that you, uh, you mentioned yeah. a second ago. Um, and uh, he's got a bit of a, a checkered uh, health past, if I remember correctly. And I'm, I'm not going to say that a 31-year-old guy can't come into Major League Soccer and be a, a an impact player. I mean, hell, I think Portland or somebody just – or Seattle or – who was it that just signed like a 36-year-old left back today? I, somebody oh, in the I league that. did. Yeah. yeah um, well, not 36. Maybe it was 33. But an, like an over 30-year-old defender. Um, I, I just, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense that Dallas would would put any money towards something like that. Not just the transfer fee, but the salary that almost would certainly come along with that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, um, yeah, surely he's a DP, right? But is I mean, would this be the guy that would push Dallas like over the top, like, oh, solve all the problems? I just don't know that they would pull the trigger on a guy that would it would, it would need like. Well, look, look at this roster. Yeah, it would yeah. create a lot of problems because you've got. I mean, if the, if they have depth, and I'm using air quotes here, um, it's in the center of the park. Yeah, I mean, you would make you would need with this roster as it is now, you would need two or three seasons to really like build it correctly to use this guy effectively. Well, then he'd be like thirty three, thirty four. I mean, yeah. I've heard of crazier things. I I really hope this one isn't real. This is not the kind of player that I would want. It's like I don't I don't. I, I struggle for sometimes with the guys that are 28, 29 that come in, let alone if they're 31 already. That's, that's not, doesn't make sense for me. No. And I, and certainly it, maybe he kind of plays a position. They probably thought maybe Ricarte was more going to deliver than obviously Ricarte doesn't play, I guess. I don't know. It's a, it's a very yeah. weird, and it certainly would, you know, it would just add more question marks to why they bought Ricarte. But anyway, set yeah. that aside. Let's just assume that's all crap and there's nothing to it, uh, because you it would then put into question uh, their kind of checking out players internationally. But one of the more interesting conversations that I saw you I saw you have on your third degree Discord, which is the chat room that you have for people that are uh, Patreons of ThirdDegree.net, was the whole conversation about you're attending the North Texas game uh, the other day and how out of shape you reported Mr. Vargas to have been in. Yeah. That's a weird situation because even, even in the spring, I mean, he, he looked ridiculous. Like he was good for like 20 minutes and then he just stood around for 80 minutes. Of course, in the 20 minutes, he was clearly the best player on the field and had three, you know, contributed to all three goals in that 20 minutes. 
But like if, if you look at him, uh, he's not carrying extra weight. You know, he is a little bit of a larger upper body kind of player. So was Santiago Mascara. And so there's a there's an analogy there between the way both of those guys play, that sort of in and out of the game where like you don't get like a full 90 minute Pax and Pomelco grind out of the guy. You get, you know, in and, in and out kind of thing. And that's okay if you produce. And in the spring, Vargas produced. And when he went down to North Texas, he produced. So for, for me, uh, Vargas said, I think he's 21 now. Uh, he's a 1999, which is the same age year as Paxson, I believe. So there's, there's something to build on and work with there and see if it can goes. But, you know, man, I, I watched that game and I was like, good Lord, this guy's in horrible shape. I, I don't, I just, I'm not sure that it's not just mental and it's not just kind of the guy he is, you know? I mean, like you can think of creative uh, influential players that took 80 minutes off of the game, right? I mean, they talk about Messi that way. Like he walks more than anybody else in the game. Well, I mean, this he gets away with it because he right. actually produces when he does have the ball. Yeah, that's, right? the, that's thing. the only reason why he gets away with it. Right. And that's the thing about this Vargas guy in the spring looked awesome. In the USL one game, looked awesome. So obviously he's better than that level. So the question is, can you develop him? I'll, I'll put up with the half the game standing around if he has three assists a game in MLS. You know, so I mean, there's a I, for me the guy is firmly entrenched as a project. I think they're going to use him a little bit internally and see how that goes. A little false wing, see how that goes. I mean, he's not obviously right now. He's not the starting choice anymore. He's basically definitely lost that out. But um, I'm, I'm not. I, I I like that kid more than I liked Obreon actually at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I th- my perception is is that Obreon was brought in here and it was assumed that he would be a starter and chew up a lot of minutes on the right. And Vargas was more of this uh, kind of project player that they brought in. And if it worked out and he started, that'd be great. But they also had other options they could use on the left if they wanted to. Um, and absolutely, I, and I'm convinced both of them are a bit of a bust. And and I do wonder because uh, we've seen this over the years. Like so many guys have come up here and moved to Frisco from a foreign country, whether it be Eastern Europe or South America. And some of these guys just have a hard time ac- getting acclimated to society and being without yeah. family, and it affects their ability to play because. You know, you go watch highlight reels and you're like, where's that guy? I'm like, well, maybe yeah. the dude's just unhappy and just doesn't want to be here anymore. And the way you describe him, that's that that would be kind of my unfair off the cuff knee jerk reaction to what's going on is maybe he's just not happy living. Yeah, here. I well, I found out that uh, Ricarte had that same issue last year. They had trouble getting Ricarte's family here, but they apparently have solved that. That is definitely 100 percent true with Vargas. Yeah. Vargas's wife and kid are not have not been able to get into the country. So he's absolutely being affected by that for sure. Now, it, when I watched the North Texas game was the fact that he only looked like half of the game fit. Is that related to that? No. I mean, I think there's a little bit of there's definitely some lack of game fitness, right? He didn't play for Venezuela when he was gone and he didn't play for FC Dallas before he left. I mean, that's why they sent him to North Texas was to get him back towards game fitness. But for him, that's a relative term. You know, right. again, he's not going to be in the first team mix, I don't think, for for the short period. I would expect him to play for North Texas again, actually, this weekend, since they have a home game. Well, speaking of that, they do play again, uh, as we said, on uh, – hold on, I'm looking Saturday at the – They work Texas, on yeah. Saturday, yeah. Uh, 
They travel to Oregon. They're playing Portland. Uh, the game is on at 9.30 on TX21. Uh, you went to training today, Buzz. Yeah. And you talked to Lucci, and you've got some what's – the, what's the big takeaway from practice today? Well, today was uh, an experimentation day where – Based on the combinations I was watching, I know this is I think it's fascinating. Um, you some some days the first eleven is clearly obvious. Today was not a day like that. There was some defensive groupings that were obvious, but the front, um, I don't know, six were in constant flux, constant changes, constant different combinations. I even asked Lucci about it afterwards, and he said that. You know, they're looking for stuff. They're looking for specific things. They're trying some different options. I mean, look, the team is stinks, right? They're trying to get better. So they're, tr- they're not just sitting there doing the same old thing. Uh, it's very much, uh, Lucci made it very much a game-by-game game mentality right now. All we're thinking about is the one game that's next. We're not looking at anything else than that. And the thing that drove me the most crazy about this, and you're going to love this, is that there was one player that did not shift positions all day and was clearly the number nine choice all day. And that was Frank O'Hara. It was not Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe spent the entire day as a winger. And the other team, the second team, if you will, although it wasn't a first team and a second team, Dante Seeley played nine for most of the day for the other group. So it wasn't like Pepe was on one team and Hara was on the other. Most of the time, Pepe and Haro were on the same team with Haro as a nine and Pepe as a winger. So before you say, what the hell, I'll tell you, because I asked Lucci. I thought, that's just crazy. Well, this, the short answer. Did you grab was, him by the, cuff, yeah. the scruff of his shirt and shake him? And and go, shake what are you him. doing? Yeah, shook him. Uh, obviously, like I said, it was a day of experimentation. Thursday and Friday will be the first choice day. But. He's definitely considering starting Franco because the game's on the road. And you'll remember, Peter, the last podcast. Stay with me here. You remember the last podcast? We talked about how Pepe and Jesus were on an island and the opposition team just put four guys around him and boxed him in and it was worthless, right? Mm -hmm. So because Pepe is a uh, not sort of a back-to-goal kind of guy, he can't really so far in his career play hold-up ball. He can't scrap and bang and knock off two center backs and hold the ball and let the team get out of the back. Well, Hara can kind of do that. So the idea with Hara is that he can hold the ball long enough that they can get out of their own end on the road. And he's going to keep, I think from what I saw, he's going to want to try and keep Pepe in the game because Pepe's his best scorer and Jesus is in the game. And the other wing will be who knows who we'll talk about. I'll guess later, but I don't, I don't love this idea. I, it's an idea and I see what he means. I, I see what he means. Like that's a legit concern. I just think Hara, in my opinion, Hara is so bad that it doesn't matter. But the guy does have a lot of veteran savvy. He does scrap. So maybe this is one of those cases where Lucci has a good idea. Maybe this is a terrible idea. We're going to find out. I don't think it's a very good idea. But, you know, I, I think the problem is, uh, it's the same problem, but if you leave Pepe in there, the wings have got to get forward. We talked about this last game. It's that you have to be aggressive even when you play a mid to low block. Those wings who are coming back and sitting on top of the outside backs because they're not good enough, those wings have got to get forward around Pepe and Jesus. And if they don't, then you're going to get zero offense, which is what happened. And so 
rather than just have your wings be like, dude, you guys have got to get vertical or I'm going to yank you out of the game. Instead, they're just trying this. It looks like they're going to try this Franco Hara option. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. I, I don't, I don't like it, but um, that, it is what it is. You know, it's funny, and I feel like I need to say this because uh, we dogpile on Hara a lot on this podcast because of the amount of money he's making and the lack of production. But I, I do want to reinforce that I, I do want to reinforce and make sure everybody understands that I notice how hard the guy works when he comes on the field. He clearly is making an effort. It's not like he shows up and just stands there and does nothing. He was kind of doing that at the beginning, but I think as it became more and more apparent that he was struggling and people were getting more and more frustrated by his lack of um, uh, production, at least his level of effort increased. And I do want to at least acknowledge that. Uh, if we haven't before, I want to do it again because I have appreciated that part of his game. Um, but I'm with you. I, I don't understand. I mean, I... I think hold-up play is really, really important for this team, and they could use it. I just don't know how they're going to – if if in the long term that benefits the club in giving away those minutes from Pepe, who clearly could continue to develop and, and benefit from playing that, that position and learning it over the course of what I think we all agree is a lost season. Yeah, I, I would also compliment Hara lately, certainly the latter half of this season so far, in that – uh, what we call the quality pro. Like he, every time I'm out of training, that dude is bringing it and busting his tail in training. And every time he comes into the game, he busts his tail in training and he's been very positive. He's not yelling at players. He's not yelling at coaches. He's very positive and works hard. Like even doing extra finishing stuff today. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. F- you know, full credit as far as that goes. Now, some, you might say something about it. You can only polish a turd so much. And that's that in the end is going to be the problem is the age is catching up with him and the verticality and the pace of this league is not right for him. So it doesn't work, but you know, it's not because he's not trying. I definitely will give him that. And you know, the coaches have recognized that, but I'm with you. I, I don't hate Pepe as a wing. Actually. I think he's actually pretty good as a wing. I just want to see him used exclusively as a nine the rest of the way with Jesus behind him. Cause I think that's the future. I mean, that doesn't, you know, so again, this is one of those strategies where it's easy for me to say all that. I'm not the one that's actually making the decision and putting them in the lineup. So mm-hmm. I'm not the coach. So it's easy for me to claim it's a bad idea. You know, a lot of it's going to depend on the rest of the team, really. And that's, of course, where you still have a whole bunch of question marks. All right. So going into the game against Portland, any other notes, uh, injury situations? Yeah. Well, Hedges and Martinez are both still out. Uh, yeah well they both actually came outside and ran and jogged today it was hedges and martinez sightings sightings sightings, (laughs) which is a win sightings is a win lucci says maybe a week and a half on both back into training and listen when you're starting to you're both your starting center backs who both get paid short of just short of a million dollars are out that's a big blow you know, we're watching Brisson and Nikosi Burgess. By the way, full credit to Nikosi Burgess. He's been, relatively speaking, fantastic. Um, I mean, he's not Hedges, you know, or Martinez, but I, I, I like at least his progression. He may be better than Brisson He's already. better than Brisson in my book already. Uh, anyway, so Hedges and Martinez, probably two games from returning to training, which means, again, like how fast are they fit, you know, blah, blah, blah. So uh, that's not that great news. I do want to, however, compliment Justin Shea. Because his progression is 
Incredible. Like a lot of times when a young player is progressing, it's just like over the course of a couple of games, you can feel it getting better. It's like Che likes, takes a huge leap forward every game in confidence and like his ability and stuff he's doing. Now he's still not a flying winger. You know, he's still not Brian Reynolds, but like a bunch of the concepts they're working with him on are really high level, you know, progression and he's trying things and he's working on things. And this formation works fine with a, defensive first outside back and, and arguably he's the last few games he's been the best actual defender out there maybe uh, you know in terms of his pure defensive ability um although Nikosi was pretty close in my estimation if not better and, and I thought Nikosi had a lot of big one-on-one battles that he won really well last game so it's interesting to watch young guys progress and and sometimes we've noticed of late that some of the veterans are making boneheaded moments that Brisson's been guilty from a couple. Ryan's had three out of four games. He's given up a goal. So, you know, it's, it's going to be some shifting, I think going forward. So going into Portland, pretty much status quo in terms of lineup, other than the horror change that you, you suggested mm, um, Portland's no. missing a bunch. I'm sorry. What? No, you I think there's more. Yeah. Oh, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah. Well, Acosta's out, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So we have to talk about midfield. Uh, I think it's going to be Faco and and Cerillo, I think. I don't think Edwin's – not Edwin, sorry. Brandon Cervania, I don't think he's quite ready to get back like into a game in Lucci's mind and not necessarily in my mind. And I think Edwin played a good enough game the other day that I'm I'm predicting a Faco-Edwin combo, which I would not have done a week ago. But I thought Evan played pretty well the other game. Still and then, no Ricarte. Still no Ricarte. Um, today, still mostly playing as a 10. Although, I, I did ask Lucci about him. Uh, and they're going to start using him deeper a bit more. Basically, the bottom line is um, numbers. It's like he's just not getting enough assists. You know, He's not creating and adding enough goals. He's not doing enough metrics x this g's that whatever you know what i mean it's like they need goals yeah right but, now and he's not Cerillo's them. not going to provide that for them and if anybody right. was creating opportunities at that point of the season it was ricarte I, I am completely confused about why they brought this guy in i'm confused how they use him i i don't understand it whatsoever and and if if taking him off the field to put on Cerio because you don't think he creates enough assists, then that is a ridiculous calculation in my mind. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think that Ricarte, as much as I like him, I think this is a Andre Zanata disconnect with Lucci signing. I think that's a good example of what you get when your technical director and your coach are not 100% in sync. Because, you know, I think he's a terrific looking player and I'm not sure Lucci knows what to do with him. So yeah. I, we'll see. Now, I, I, in the back, I think Johnny Nelson's going to start. Um, I think Pepe will start at one of the wings. I, it will not be Ryan. I think Ryan's getting benched hmm. um, based on what I saw today because he's given up three goals in four games, as I mentioned. And then um, the other wing was a whole lot of different people. It was not Obreon first. It was Paxson first. But you know Garrett how you – Melcher? Yeah, well, you, you noticed um, – <laughs> Yeah, not Garrett. You might, you might as well try Garrett at this point. Yeah. Well, you you, you know you mentioned that you saw Paxton sort of rubbing his hip like the yeah. one game he started. Yeah. It's like every other day right now with that kid. It's like one day he feels great. The next day it's like, uh, you know, it's like they need to see 
uh, an even consistency. I feel good all the time. Really, he needs to prove something. Paxton does. Uh, he's got to force his way back in by being consistently quality. You know, all day not having this discomfort. As long as he keeps occasionally having some discomfort, it's gonna be hard for them to start him consistently. So the other people that got looks there were Sean. Sean got a look. O'Brien got a look. Uh, oh, not really Dante Seeley, not really Vargas. Um, so I, I think it's down to Paxton or Sean or O'Brien for one wing with Pepe on the other. That's yeah. what I, that's what only one of those people are naturally right wing players. And that's the, well, one Pepe can play either side so you can flip them around. That's yeah, fine. but he's not naturally a winger period. Pepe. No, yeah. he does. Okay. There though. Yeah, I mean that's is that where we're at, Buzz. Yeah. We're at he, they do okay. That's where we're at at this yeah. point. We're I mean, just, honestly, eh, somebody that just does okay. They they have two wins. I know, yeah. I know. And but what's ridiculous is is they're they're completely within reaching distance yeah. of getting back into it because they're only five points out of sixth. out of the yeah. sixth place, and they're playing <laughs> Portland, who's only two points ahead of them, and yeah. you know, the West is just a, a total mess. And it's crazy, right? But yeah. we don't anticipate them changing the roster inbound, at least, do we right. think, to, oh. to, you know, in, in terms of this window, do we? Uh, I, I really don't. Actually, I think that they'll add a defensive depth piece. You know, maybe it'll be from... Like a center back. Center back, yeah. Because we've just... Like, look, Brisson's one caution from sitting, and he has been for two games. And if that were to happen right now, it'd be Nikosi and What? I mean, well, you know, they Che's. could also, you know what they could do? They could, they could go out and find a right back because Chase certainly could slide in yeah. and play center back since that's his natural position, which is interesting because uh, the U.S. men's national team played. Reggie Cannon was hurt, which meant Shaq Moore uh, got a call up and actually played very, very well in the game. And you tweeted out the open question of, I wonder if he'd be interested in coming back to yeah. the United States. I, I don't know why he would do that. Uh, he's playing in Spain. He's getting exposure in Europe. I know he's playing in a second division, but I don't think Major League Soccer in the second division in Spain are that far off from each other. In fact, I'm sure you'll find a lot of people who think the second division of Spain is a lot better than Major League Soccer. Oh, so, they're crazy. Well, I, yeah, sure. Everybody's, those are all opinions, right? But my point right. being is, is it, they could go out and find a right back. Maybe it's Shaq. Sure. I don't know. I, does Shaq want to come back to Frisco? Though? Well, the only reason I suggested Shaq is like if you're trying to catch Reggie Cannon or Brian Reynolds, those two dudes just started for FC Dallas and got sold for multi-millions of dollars to top teams in top leagues. And Reggie's about to move to France and Brian plays for Roma. Well, what's Shaq doing in second division? Nothing, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that it's not like FC Dallas right back isn't like a gold mine of opportunity as clearly demonstrated by the last two guys. So like someone to say like, oh, there's no way you come back. Dude, Reynolds just got sold for damn near $10 million. I don't know why you would think somebody would go out oh, no the way I'm going there. Yeah. Not, I, yeah. I, I, it depends on how well he's playing for the, the team in Spain and it's easier sure. to move around once you're over there. And I, I, I but uh, again, the point being is set Shaq aside, it is an opportunity because of Che's uh, versatility or the fact that his natural position as center back is they could go out and find a really nice right back uh, to fill that position since they've decided that Eddie Majoma yeah. <laughs> has passed away Oof. or got lost in a closet somewhere. Well, I think Shea's progression at, at right back is good enough. 
that they're they're pretty convinced that like that's a good enough answer for this season. And Martinez and Hedges are you know a couple of weeks from return, so cross your fingers, just add some depth. You know, I think I think that's what you're looking at. Sure. Let me also throw this out. If if Shea is likely to get sold after the season and you've got a starting pair of center backs, why not go ahead and bolster your team now with a really, really good right back? That's a fair question, and I do not know the answer to why you wouldn't, except yeah. that I don't think they're going to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 think that, um, I think that this window feels to me like a – Okay, you have a team, Lucci. Now you say you can coach, coach him up, and let's see. Because as far as I know, Lucci's contract is running out. So this, to me, feels like, in a way, a test of Andre. I've given you players. You got to make them better, you know, or you're not the guy for us. That's kind of what it feels like to me. So I'm not expecting a big DP. I'm not expecting really anything other than maybe a little defensive depth. But we've been saying that since Christmas, that they needed a defender, another center back. So even though you're selling Tanner Tessman, and even though Roberts is gone, Colin Smith's going to be with North Texas the whole year, Benny Rezik's hurt, and those two dudes weren't going to play anyway. You know, they've got... They've already got so many bodies that it's like there's not really. And what are the hunts going to do? Go spend like five million dollars on a player? No, you know yeah. that. So you know that's what I think. I think it's a. I think it's a. I've given you a team, Lucci. Let's see if you are any good. Yeah. That's what it feels like. You did your uh, has your number changed on the Lucci hot seat scale? No, it, it has not actually because I am more convinced than ever. I actually talked to a couple people today. I'm more convinced than ever, than ever that the only one that will fire Lucci is Clark Hunt and not Dan. And the only way Clark will pay attention is if something catastrophic happens. Just a relatively bad season is not enough, I don't think, to get Clark to pay attention. Clark pays attention when you know you get the Morrow debacle or when he's in the stands for some reason. Clark was there, I think. Or you get... Uh, like some stuff that like the last time I know of Clark being in town was the stuff last year with the Anthem and things like that. And then I think he got involved. Right. So it's like Clark's all in on the chiefs and just won the Super Bowl. He's not paying attention to FC Dallas. So that's what I think. I I think they're going to ride it out. The the hunts don't make coach decisions mid season. Morrow, as far as I know, is the only coaches they fired mid season. Jeffries, they fired Jeffries, but that was late in the season. I think Clark got, maybe six or eight games. So like your, your worst case scenario of like a complete meltdown over the next summer, over the next, what is it? 10 out of 15 are on the road now. Like if mm-hmm. that all melt down, melts down and you can let you at the end of that, you'll have like eight games left. You'll have like six of eight at home. Maybe that's when you do something. But other than that, I think honestly with Lucci's contract, I think I'm 90% sure it's up. I think they'll just write it out. I really do. <laughs> Because as you say, they're only five points out of sixth place. It's like you win two games and you're in the top half of the table. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but they could also get to the end of July and be, yeah. you know, 20 points out because well, it's right. a brutal schedule, right? Yeah, but it's, think about where the money comes from. The money comes from the academy. The money comes from selling players. They don't make money on the stands. So they don't care about attendance, right? Mm-hmm. Do they? Uh, maybe I mean, they care about season ticket holders, maybe. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a big picture, like, do I like the organization kind of thing? Not a, well, they stink right now. I'm not buying tickets this weekend. Uh, you already pet bought, dude. You bought it at the beginning of the year. So, like, this winter, this window, sorry, I can talk. This winter 
for me, that's when they'll do whatever they're going to do. I think they'll just write it out. Okay. Maybe I'm a Fair enough. We also found out today that the all-star ballot is out. Buzz, you also uh, have a vote in this. And somehow, someway, am I correct in saying 13, the number one followed by the number three of Dallas players are eligible to be voted upon in the all-star game? Yeah, well, it's it's the Do we know what 13 it is? No, we do. Well, it turns out you just have to play in 50% of the matches of your team by the time the ballot comes out. So it's okay, like, so it's not that hard. To get everybody's out. got a whole bunch of people allocated yeah. on. Okay. Yeah, all yeah. right. This, I, this isn't some sort let's, of, okay. Let's do the list though. Let's see if you think any of these guys are getting in Jimmy. No, Maher? the answer is no, no. Okay. <laughs> my, my, the defenders, I can, this is amazing. Brasson, Hollingshead, Martinez, Munjoma, and Nelson are the no, defenders. None of those are all stars. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, so. Maurer maybe because he's had, you know, I, I shouldn't have said no before you said Maurer, but uh, I'll, I'll give a, it's a 30 tentative. Teams. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah, midfielder, Acosta, uh, Pomacol, Ricarte. Acosta, uh, yeah. Acosta's the closest thing to yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, forwards, Franco Hara, O'Brien, Pepe, Vargas. I oh. can see Pepe being a commissioner's choice. Yeah, you could see Pepe just because of a hype choice hype, that yeah. the league throws in there, but not based on performance, no. Yeah, so maybe Acosta, maybe. I mean, listen, when you're only talking about a team of starters – and then a team of backups. So it's like 24 players and you got 30 teams. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of teams that aren't going to have any players at all. And it will not surprise me if that's Dallas. I mean, they're not yeah. very good. I mean, Seattle's going to have like seven guys. So that's going to eat up, you know, almost half the roster. Right. Well, so they Dallas, should. Yeah. I mean, Dallas is not. And then on the other side, New England's going a bunch of guys that are all, I mean, there's no East West, right? It's just one team. So, I mean, there's, I would be stunned if a Dallas gets a player in other than maybe like a peppy hype com- commissioner's pick. Will you all. disclose your ballot to the public? Oh, uh, sure. When I actually do it, mm-hmm. I, I, I need to figure out how to do that. I'm supposed to send me an email or something, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's a, a, a GUI interface. Secret portal. Yeah. Click buttons or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. I'm going to have to do some research. See who I like. Um, okay. Well, anything else that we need to talk about here in our um, non-game yeah, I think we did the whole Portland 11. And they're missing, like, until they update the player availability, they're missing, like, seven players. Who? Portland? Uh, Portland, they're missing a lot. And, like, Blanco's still questionable. Loria's still questionable. Plus, they have five guys out between injuries and international call-ups. So they're depleted. Now, depleted is relative. They still have Diego Chara. <laughs> they still have Valeri and Espria and Williamson. So they're still really good. And they're looking for points. So they're going to look at this game as a get-well game if you know what a get well game is. So Dallas is going to, I mean, look, that's to go to Portland and play. When was the last time they won in Portland? I haven't looked it up yet, but I bet it's like forever last year in the playoffs. That would be it. Never mind. Yeah, but, but so yeah. yeah. And they're so going to want, re- buzz yeah, they're going to want revenge for that. Portland is, I mean, yeah, but before that it was like 20 years or something, right? It was like one time ever before that. So now, now it's two and now they're going to be mad that Dallas knocked him out of the playoffs. So, I mean, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Poor Lucci. That's the only thing that, like, I was thinking about how to do this. I really think, honestly, that they've totally hosed Lucci. I really do. I think this organization has hosed Lucci. Well, yeah, we talked about yeah. this last week. I, 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 again, and I don't, and I don't think, 
And I'm not suggesting anybody needs to come out and do the dreaded vote of confidence. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting is, is that Dan Clark come out and, you know, to the media, put up something on Instagram or whatever it is, and just says, look, we get it. We're, we don't, we're not very good. We're working on it. There's a plan in place. Maybe you throw some bullet points out on what the plan is. But to just let Lucci be the sole point of contact for all of this is... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's to be expected, but even for the hunts, I find it to be um, uh, embarrassing. I, I said that last week. Embarrassing. I'm in, I'm embarrassed that their club is just letting Lucci dangle by a string like this. It's just so weird. Yeah, I mean, listen, they hired the guy a decade too early, right? They've they they got rid of Bar because Harrigan makes three million dollars. They had to make budget saving moves like dumping Barrios before his contract ran out. You know, they tried to rebuild the offense. O'Brien's a bust. Vargas is a project and hasn't worked out. Paxton, who you wanted to be an MVP caliber player, is not healthy yet. Hara's getting paid $3 million and stinks. Your two DP level pay center backs are both hurt and missing. All your right back attempts failed. And so you're using a 17-year-old kid at right back. One of your most reliable players, Ryan Hollingshead, for some reason is all of a sudden unreliable and you're going with a defensive first left back. You sold your six a week before the season. Your 10-ish, eight, whatever it is, you can't figure out how to use him, and and no one knows where to play the guy. It's it's like they've totally set this thing up with a mis unbalanced roster, and Lucci's hands are tied on any of it, and he's in over his head. It's not, you know, this organization has done this to him, and now he's not helping himself. He's making no. mistakes too, but, yeah. you know, you the day he was hired, you and I sat here and said, this is 10 years too early. It's way too early. He was supposed to be the North Texas coach. You know, everybody knows that. He should be where Quill is. You know, they've they've totally hosed one of their bright young coaching minds they were trying to build up. They've hosed him and, mm-hmm. and possibly wrecked him by putting him in this early. I mean, if, if they do can him, he's going to have to go somewhere else now to coach. Uh, he won't. Put him back in the academy? No, can't no. do that. He would right. be a fantastic so, college coach. Yeah, so he's gonna. Lo- they're gonna lose the guy they considered their brightest young coach because they hired him a decade too early. Maybe a decade strong, seven, five, something like that. Wait, you know, at least one coach for sure too early, maybe two. You know. Well, and and as we all know, whatever does transpire, it's not like they're bringing in a Bob Bradley, <laughs> Bruce Arena type uh, no. to to you know somebody with MLS experience or anything like that. That it'll be yeah, it'll be Eric Quill or Marco Ferruzzi or somebody like or that. Lucene or, or or Lucene. Yeah, the only way it's not is if the the Gremio dude that Andre's buddies with maybe that's like the only outsider possibly. But what's that guy going to know about Major League Soccer and American players? Or you still have to build the core of your team around American players there's it's not a coincidence that like of the top 11 teams in mls are all coached by americans and the mls cup is won by an american coach or a coach that's been here forever except for tata he's the only one that hasn't been here for like 30 years or something or is outright american Hmm. this league is unique man it needs it it's not you can't just go sign whoever you want there's a whole bunch of crazy ass rules the bulk of your team has to be american a lot of them american college you know, you have to know the league and the people to be successful here, I think. 
Well, they are a mere five points away from a playoff position. Uh, they are amazing. standing. I know it is amazing, <laughs> but the rest of July looks terrible. Now, August gets a little better because they get three of four at home in August. Um, but this is the month where we really figure out where the rest of the season goes, because if it just yeah. completely jumps off the rails, no matter how uh, easy August or better August may look, it may have gone uh, too far off the rails at that point, and Lucci's fate's probably tied yeah. up in in, in these uh, in in these games. So, well, a, a little credit to him because Lucci is, is staying positive. He's keeping it focused on one game, and like training, a lot of times when the seasons go south, training gets really bad. There's still a positivity, at least from my eyes, standing there. I see a relatively positive group. I don't see people yelling at each other, pointing fingers. I don't see harsh tackles, anything like that. Like some of the signs that it's falling apart inside the locker room. So, I mean, granted, the team's not great, but um, there, you know, as, if, as we seek as we as we seek out something positive, can we hope? You know, that's my one thing is that it, so far it seems like they're not falling apart completely. Yeah, you know, I don't mean to extend this conversation, but I, it did dawn on me. I want to ask this question because we've we've wondered about this role for a while. Who's the leader on this team? Um, well, Hedges, but he's quiet. Ryan's the emotional leader, uh, but he's not the work leader. If that makes sense, Paxton. Paxton's a big leader on this team. Uh, his his attitude is infectious. People you know, build off of him. I see a lot of younger players, even if they're older, but still younger, they, they often go to Paxson to ask questions. You know, mm. he, he's, uh, he's almost like, I'm not going to say coaching, but you know, he plays at a higher level than a lot of guys. So they look to him, um, on the, on the Latino side, it used to be Grezzo. Uh, it's probably Acosta probably. So th- those guys, I mean, that's the, so you have to divide it up between Latino yeah. and la- non-Latino, do you? I think so. They tend to, for some reason, it seems to work that way. Like, you know, um, Lucci has usually has like a couple of people that can be captain. Like when Greza was here, he was one of the three because they wanted somebody that was, you know, a Spanish influence, you know, you know, there, there are clicks in a team. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's always clicks in a team. There's, there's a bunch of guys that only speak Spanish. It's not as bad as, it has been in the past sometimes, but there's some guys that don't speak any English at all. Now all the coaches speak Spanish, so there's not any kind of communication problem, but there's still like a, who you hang out with kind of vibe. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you don't speak any English and I don't speak any Spanish, I'm not going to hang out with you probably, you know, but this team does, they do, they do do things. I mean, it's not like a negative group. There's no, there's not like, there was a year, a couple of years ago, there was some really heavy clicks. It's not, it's not quite like that anymore, but I still think that they have, you know, Spanish, Hispanic leaders in, and, non-Hispanic leaders, I think. Well, I'm going to guess, and I, have, I haven't done the research to actually prove this out, but I'm going to guess that if you were to go look at the top teams in Major League Soccer, the top five teams, I bet if you, if you pointed at one of them, you go, who's that team leader? You'd instantly come up with an answer. Yeah. And, I, and we've not been able to do that with Dallas for a very long time, and I do think that's part of this team's problem is, is I don't think they have a singular person to fall in behind that leads the way well daniel hernandez would i mean he'd smash your face into a locker well, sure um, yeah. i'm trying that to think under oscar a generation that, ago yeah i'm trying to think under oscar who that might have been i mean hedges was younger 
Who else was kicking around? Certainly not Jesse. Well, Gonzalez. I think Blas Perez was a good leader for this oh, team. Yeah, I thought yeah, Blas yeah. was a big one. A um, one. You know, Kellen. You know, when he was really uh, playing hard, I thought Kellen was a young, really interesting young leader. Uh, the way that he he worked hard. Uh, and there's somebody else that I'm just totally brain farting on. That's an obvious one. I, you know, Uriti Ziegler. I, th- I think uh, uh, Ziegler wasn't a bad leader. I think Ziegler yeah. would would be vocal. I mean, Matt is a quiet leader, but part yeah. of the reason why I think Matt struggles with national team time is strictly because he's not a vocal player, and I think they insist on having that at that level. Yeah, I, I definitely think that Tiago Santos was filling a lot, was starting to fill a lot of those shoes. Where I probably sure. got rid of him. <laughs> Grazo was a leader. You, oh you yeah, Grazo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I think the team has had it, but I, I certainly in the Lucci time, there just hasn't been a real definitive. Uh, leader that I think he can kind of lean on is his second in command to kind of push people around, and I, uh, I do wonder if that's that's part of their problem. But yeah, you know, there are a lot yeah. of problems, and that may and that's not the only one, but that, yeah, that's, that's one of them. Many, in my mind. yeah, yeah. many. All right. Well, do not forget, everybody, that uh, when you're looking for FC Dallas or national team or international club gear, uh, because, you know, all the new league seasons are about to start, you may want to go grab a new jersey. Go shop at Soccer90.com for all of that stuff. They've got all kinds of cool stuff. Whether you go actually to the store, do you know there's actually a physical Soccer 90 store at the stadium? It's on the south side along Main Street. You can walk in and go shop there, and if you've not seen it in person, it's totally worth your time to go check it out. So the advantage to shopping online is is that because you are a third degree listener, you get 25% off your order when you use the code third degree at checkout at Soccer90.com. But going to the store is still kind of cool. Alright, now condolences and pats on the head and hugs to our friend Dan who is in a deep state of depression over the England loss in the European final. You know, it would be totally cool for you to send him a nice little tweet or something. You wouldn't want to make fun of him or poke, you know, kind of rib him or anything like that about the loss. Don't don't do that, right, Buzz? We wouldn't want anybody to do that. No, 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 we, we would never do that. We would never want to give Dan a hard time about England losing on penalty kicks again, now would we? Uh, all right, so Buzz, thank you for all your time and, and information today. And next week, we'll get to talk about a, an actual result. Yeah, well, it'll make the podcast 30 minutes longer, but that'll be good. <laughs> and thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We'll speak to you next week on another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. Third Degree. The third degree, 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 the third degree,